tangent, to break off suddenly from a line or train of thought and pursue another course. Webster's. Lucky, lucky listeners, and welcome to episode 31 of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. The show that for the past 30 episodes has been chronicling the characters and stories spinning out of the 1997 fifth week event that introduced superheroes with very familiar names, but very different origins. And today is a landmark episode as we finish up the final published story related to the Tangent series, Tangent Superman's Reign number 12. With the might of the Ultra Humanite on his side, is there any way that Earth heroes can defeat the Tangent Superman? Well, I've got three words that might clue you in to that final outcome. Because I'm Batman. So. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful those were the words, because I thought yeah. the words were going to be Sea Devil's Return. <laughs> oh, why wouldn't that? That would have been so <laughs> amazing if the Sea Devils were the one to completely write the universe. Oh. We love you, Sea Devils. Uh, I guess that's a spoiler alert, so whatever. Sorry. It's the last issue. What did you think was going to happen? Plus, there's no backup story with wimpy tangent guy Gardner and hooray! sexy out here, Jenny Lynn Hayden. So, yes, hooray. But before we get to the coverage of the issue, uh, let me introduce to you the host of the show. My name is Sean Ingle, and I am joined by the men of tomorrow to my dark night, Mr. Michael Bradley. Hello, Michael. Hello, everyone. Yes, no Jenny Lynn Hayden, no Guy Gardner, no Snot Monster. It's That's already made the episode a thousand times better, hasn't it? Maybe not a thousand At times. At least 874. Yes, let's go with that number. Yeah. That's a good, good round number. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, not, not to spoil ahead, but I, I don't think it's really a spoiler at this point. I, I was actually thinking about this, and I didn't put it in my notes. Um Sea Devils didn't appear in this series, and neither did Wonder Woman. Yeah, I know. And those were the two, oddly enough, those were the two characters or the two books that we found to be not really bad, but kind of the most lacking out of Mm -hmm. the series. You know, again, looking back and sort of reevaluating the Sea Devils and taking them for sort of a Kirby homage, that kind of benefited them. And if if you just take Wonder Woman as kind of a Peter David doing a sort of piss take for the character. Peter David being Peter David. Yeah. yeah, Peter David being Peter David. It's amusing. But yeah, I don't know. Especially with Wonder Woman, her powers are supposedly on the level of Superman's that she could warp reality to do whatever she wanted to happen so long as she thinks about it enough that's kind of the sort of deus ex machina that could basically throw everything out the window. Right. In fact, you know, it kind of makes you wonder why we didn't hear much about wonder woman during the events of Superman taking over what happened with her there. So yeah, (laughs) not that, not that I'm saying, you know, it would have been so much better if wonder woman would have been in the issues, but yeah, that is kind of, telling that she wasn't here so there you go but before we get into coverage of the uh issue do we want to go ahead and take a look at some of the emails and letters that we've gotten yes do you want me to start out with email uh yeah go ahead okay this one comes from the irredeemable shag and it's entitled parallel lines catching up on superman's reign 
He writes in saying, hey guys, I just wanted to drop a line to let you know that I'm still loving your Parallel Lines podcast. I'm having to play catch-up due to my overambitiousness. I'm halfway through episode 23 right now, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Well, thank you, Shag. We appreciate that. Uh, When the tangent characters appeared in JLA and Ion, I was really excited to see them again. Until I actually read the comics. (laughs) Yes, we kind of feel the same way. He says, what a letdown. So when Superman's Reign was being published, I was hesitantly optimistic. Therefore, I decided to buy each issue as they came out, planning to read it when all 12 were out. What a wasteful way to buy comics. I should have just waited for the trade. Regardless, here we sit in 2015, and I still haven't read them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a dedication to uh, the story, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> Anyway, he continues saying, recently I decided I would read each issue just before you covered it. Time being scarce in real life, I haven't cracked open the first issue yet. So you haven't listened to the first episode yet either yet. So you'll essentially you'll never hear this being read on the air. <laughs> Sucks to be you, Shag. <laughs> Today I finally caved in and started binge listening to the Parallel Lines coverage of Superman Reigns. Oh, well, I should have been ahead, so good. Uh, he says, you guys do an excellent job of recapping these issues. Even though I've never read them, I can completely understand the plot from your descriptions, and I can even visualize the story in my head. I agree with both of you that the history lesson sounds better served as a separate feature to the issues. Yeah, as we commented on last episode, history lesson probably could have been served better if it were just in like who's who type right. entries. But, you know, for what it was, it was what it was. That makes no sense. Oh, well. Shag finishes up saying, keep up the great work. Sorry I don't have more specific feedback or coverage on the issues, but I'm just enjoying the ride. Thanks to Irredeemable Shag from the Fire and Water Fo- Podcast and from FirestormFan.com. Shag, it's it's always great to hear from Shag. You know, he's he's been very supportive of the show. He's mentioned a lot on the Fire and Water Podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate everything that he's done for the podcast community and for promoting the show as well. So thank you for writing in, Shag. Yes. I'm I'm really taken aback that he bought the issues and never read them because from uh comments he's made elsewhere he's a big fan of the Tangent Universe and plus you're you know I, I guess I have bought comics before and, and not read them for quite a while so maybe I shouldn't throw stones at that at that particular. Yeah, universe. I you know, you know back when uh you know just to sort of tangent off that uh, back when J David Weeder was doing uh Superman Forever Radio he mm-hmm. was kind of finishing up uh, doing the uh, oh, it wasn't Superman for Tomorrow, but it was the reboot story that uh, Lionel Francis Yu and uh, right. yeah, Birthright. He was doing Birthright, and I went and picked up all those issues, and I've only read like the first two, and I enjoyed them, but I haven't finished up the rest of the series, even though I do have all the issues in my long box here. So it's just one of those things where it's. A matter of time, they got to sit down and actually go read them, but they're just other things that keep popping up. Right. So. There's only so much time in the day, and sadly, no one out there is willing to pay us to read comics. So. Yeah, well, we keep trying and keep trying, but yeah, <laughs> hasn't worked yet. Uh, but thank you again, Shag, for your email. Uh, next up is another website comment from Jadine, who, is, who has written in several times, and this one is in response to episode 27. And Jadine writes, Whoops! Maybe the comment I left on the previous episode about the art should have been posted here instead. Anyway, there's not much I can say about this issue. This is where it starts to fall off for me in terms of certain plot lines and holes. And then the art, of course, but you guys have already realized that, or have realized that already. I agree in that I would have loved to see more of the DCU and Tangent characters interact beyond We Must Stop Superman. But I believe issue 11 or 12 shows us some scenes that will give us something along those lines. Very short, but considering this comic, it's something. However, this comic is why I still love Jurgen's writing. He does a very tricky balance of making sure all the characters' beliefs and opinions are heard in a way that, well, you kind of wish most real-world conversations were like that. That is, that you can tell both Superman... Oh, sorry... That is, that you can tell that both Supermen are correct in their viewpoints, but also at the same time recognize some of the erroneous ones. Not many writers are able to pull it off, especially in such a short amount of panels, and especially not coming off as preachy, but he does it. There's a bit in issue 11 
that I love that involves the world leaders and plays off the same Tangent Superman is good, but but also Tangent Superman is good, but also bad, but also good. In other words, seeing both Superman interact is one of the highlights of this entire crossover. I wish we had something similar with the Power Girls instead of fighting, but their few pot shots were good too. Yeah, I think we definitely commented on that. The first interaction that we had between the Superman yeah, was the, that the, the the street mm-hmm, yeah. was that you could get behind both of their ideals. You know, they both wanted a better planet, but it was their methodology of going about it. Superman, the tangent Superman's was more hands on and more directing the focus of the way these people went, while Superman of our Earth was more let them do what they do and we'll be there to catch them if they fall. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's great that there is this sort of discussion of philosophy and it's done without like Jadine said that amount of preachiness. Right. Again, you know, I can harken back to stories like Civil War where characters are put on the opposite sides for essentially no reason, sometimes to the detriment or completely in antithesis of how their characters would normally react. Um, Iron Man came off as sort of a just a right-wing jerkish analog in that story, and that's not exactly how he would react, and it seems like it was more put in there to further the story rather than how his character would have actually been Mm -hmm. and in the tangent in the superman's rain book i don't think the characters are acting out of place it's just that all this stress and all superman tangent superman's desire to get these things done seem to be wearing on him which is what we're going to see in this issue that sort of leads to his downfall spoilers yeah i haven't read all of Civil War, but from what I have read of it, it do, it does seem more like in that storyline, characters were positioned in ways that the, the way the characters were positioned was more for uh, purposes of creating a conflict. Where here, Jurgens was able to take the characters' natural uh, natural viewpoints and natural positions and and pit those against each other without it. Uh, being so forced exactly and and i think that's that's a sign of a better writer you know and again not to cut down mark millar but i think dan who wrote the first superman issue exactly which is which is odd because we both had an an extreme amount of praise Mm -hmm. for the first superman issue so mark millar setting up the idea of this very altruistic superman and it being taken from sort of guidelines that Jan Jurgens I'm certain laid out moves to this sort of just wrong-headed idea in Civil War is just kind of it kind of makes you wonder what happened to Millard did he start buying his own hype and thinking that he could write a story and just put characters that he thought would work in there rather than you know with without completely realizing what the characters motivate that the characters' motivations would be antithetical to the way the story needed them to be. I don't know. I, I don't know either. Yeah, but the, thankfully this isn't the Civil War podcast. <laughs> the Leylands have already done that and have already said more than enough about that. Yep. Uh, so thank you very much, Jadine, for for writing in and you too, Shag. Um, we're going to close up the email bag for now, but please keep writing in. This is our last episode covering Superman's reign. But it isn't the last episode of the show. Uh, we've got something else planned for next episode, but then the episode after that, which will be out a month from now, uh, we're going to wrap up all the emails. So you know, you sure, be sure to keep writing in with your thoughts and comments about the issues or anything else we talk about, and we'll be able to read it then. Yep, and uh, look forward to uh, the next episode because that'll be interesting. But yes. yes, please keep writing in. We'd love to hear your comments about how how the series wraps up and what you thought about it, and also what you thought about our coverage. Yep. Uh, but if you're ready, we'll go ahead and move on to the issue. I am ready. Do All it, right. sir. Well, we are looking at Tangent Superman's Reign number twelve, which has a cover date of April two thousand nine and was released February eighteenth two thousand nine. 
Uh, the cover is by Dan Jurgens and Kevin Conrad. And credits for the inside story are Dan Jurgens Writer, Carlos Magno Pencils, Julio Ferreira Inks, Sal Cipriano Letters, Canela Trip Colors, Jurgens, Kevin Conrad, and Trip Cover, Adam Schlagman Editor, and for what is maybe the last time, Tangent Universe created by Dan Jurgens. Behind the power of the Ultra Humanite, the Tangent Superman and his allies are able to quickly cut a swath of destruction across the globe. Using an electromagnetic pulse to knock out power to most of the world and cripple the opposition, they're able to take over and commandeer the nuclear arsenals of several countries, including Russia, China, and Pakistan. Teaming with Lex Luthor and the DCU's vilest villains, the heroes of two worlds launch a two-pronged assault against the invaders. While the first team, consisting of Black Lightning, Dr. Psycho, the Parasite, and the Tangent Atom, attack the Tangent Superman, the other team, consisting of Icicle, Mr. Freeze, Power Girl, and the Tangent Batman, confront the Man of Tomorrow's allies head-on. With Icicle and Mr. Freeze completely ineffectual, because they're Icicle and Mr. Freeze, and Power Girl busy beating the snot out of her Tangent Universe counterpart, the Tangent Batman is left to face the ultra-humanite alone. Sensing a weakness in the walking force of nature, the Tangent Batman battles his way through the ultra-humanite's defenses, finally drawing back his sword and striking a mighty blow, stunning the beast, but unfortunately at the cost of his own life. While Power Girl mourns the fallen hero, the Tangent Power Girl, Orion, and the severely weakened ultra-humanite retreat to the Superman's lair, where the DCU's Superman and Batman, alongside the Tangent Spectre, Manhunter, Pooch, Plastic Man, and The Flash launch a final counterattack. As DC Superman takes out the ultra-humanite, the other heroes are able to keep the Tangent Superman on his toes, until he strikes back, paralyzing the Man of Steel, and prepares to launch a volley of nukes. As Luthor works to disarm the weapons, Lola Dent and the Tangent Green Lantern arrive, much to Harvey's surprise. Lola is able to distract Harvey long enough for Superman to break free of his mental control. With the Tangent Superman's powers weakened by the hero's non-stop barrages and his mental battle with Lola, the DC Superman is able to land the finishing blow. Harvey falls backward into Lola's arms, telling her, I only wanted to help, before falling unconscious. Luthor disarms the missiles, and the collected Green Lanterns transport the defeated Tangent Superman and his allies to the prison that once held the Ultra-Humanite. Later, Manhunter reflects on Batman's sacrifice, and resolves to always remember. And with victory in hand, the four Green Lanterns combine their energies once more, transporting the Tangent Heroes back to where they came from, so they can get to work on building a future. Very good. It's hard not to have an issue that's a big fight issue. Right. Especially after all this wrapped up. You've got all these heroes, all these villains, a a world powering, you know, you know, a world dominating conqueror who's trying to obviously take over the world. It's a good issue. It may not be the most satisfying ending that I could have wanted for. As we talked about earlier in the series, I wish we could have had something where we could have rationalized with the Superman. But I can't see how that would have worked. I think they sort of need to go the big battle sequence. And overall, it it was a good ending, but it kind of it, it kind of belies the fact that the Superman, the tangent Superman, I thought would have been more rational. But I guess all the things going on made him less rational and made the necessity for having this big beat him up issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this book was essentially an issue-long melee, but I, I thought it worked really well. Uh, I liked that their tactic to defeat Superman was just to hit him with multiple flanks to the point where he uh, just couldn't keep up, and until finally, you know, Lola and and the DC Superman come in for the final blows. Uh, it, it really stayed true to how his power level had been presented, and and worked really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they really never did have the upper hand even when everyone was going against him you get the lanterns going against him all three of them takes them out mm-hmm. dr psycho with his psionic attacks takes him out 
you know, it's 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 very clever on the Batman's part that he just keeps throwing, throwing, throwing people against him until the tangent Superman essentially burns him out. So again, Batman has a plan and <laughs> executed perfectly. But because I think he's it's Batman. Because he is Batman. And, and it, it's a satisfying ending and you get the idea, you know, th- there's some things that I'm kind of wondering whether or not would really matter specifically with Batman Red but we can get to that once we get to uh, specifics in the uh, issue yeah what'd you so, think? oh sorry go ahead yeah what did you think of the art overall in this particular issue I think I may have liked it a little more now I'll admit uh, the new inker what's his name get to the beginning uh, no it was still Ferrero yeah still Ferrero did things in some places, the inking is a little bit thicker, but I think the art uh, maybe maybe Magno had uh, more time to finish up this book because uh, in a lot of places the art looks really good. It looks actually better than we saw in the last issue for me. What do you think? I, I thought he did a great job, but I was going to say kind of the opposite of what you just did, and that it looked a little rougher than hmm. the previous couple issues. And I was uh, I wondered if that wasn't because he had more pages and maybe he had a time crunch. Hmm, could have been because I, I I looked at some specific panels and I thought you know he he did a really good job there but you know to to each their own I think it was it was okay but again I think we would have been so much better served if if we would have had one artist throughout the entire Definitely. run and if that one artist was Jamal Eichel I'm sorry you know as much as as much as Wes Craig and Matthew Clark you know did issues prior to this I think having Eichel if he was if he would have been able to do it all, I think I would have had a better overall opinion of all the book. Not that my opinion's negative, but it would have made it that much more enjoyable. Yeah. Well, he just hit, he just set the bar so high in those five issues he did that it, it's um, it's hard to compare. Yeah. Now, now thinking about it, you know, looking back, last issue we said we had that sort of one page splash where we had all the heroes and villains fighting each other. Do you think that would have been? so much better if we could have gotten Eigel to do that it, like sort of in comparison to that uh, that one page splash where we saw the heroes and villains flying out as the tangent Superman sort of scanned the universe yeah uh, I, I have to agree so you know woulda coulda shoulda it would have been would have been nice but yeah there you go but uh, do you want to take a break and once we get back we can go into specifics about the book yes alright we will be back in just one minute Do you want to hear the origin of Superman or Batman? Of course not. You're listening to a geek culture podcast. You know the origins of Superman and Batman. You've always known them. Your unborn grandchildren know the origins of Superman and Batman. But what about Guy Gardner, Blue Beetle, or the Phantom Stranger? What about Firestorm, Sandman, or the Golden Age Fury? Those are just a few of the stories covered in the Secret Origins Podcast, a review show dedicated to the Secret Origins comic published by DC in the 1980s. Each episode of the Secret Origins Podcast features me, Ryan Daly, and an all-star collection of guest hosts revealing or revisiting the legends of the DC superheroes and villains. And if you're already sick of hearing my voice on this promo, the good news is at least 50% of the talking on the Secret Origins podcast is done by a terrific guest from the podcast and blogging community. So check out the Secret Origins podcast, available on iTunes and at secretoriginspodcast.wordpress.com. Sawete. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spalai, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not. Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, 
or just be reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't. And of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their back roll year one work, Brian Q. Miller on his back roll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the back roll spoiled the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Okay, after that minute has gone by, maybe more than a minute, we are back, and uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the cover. What do you think about this one? I love it. It's good to see Jurgens drawing the characters again. Um, I like how Harvey is peering out from behind the Ultra Humanite, and I love how uh, the Ultra Humanite's hands are framing the Earth with the George Perez-like heads. Yes. And then the logo is there too, so it's like he's surrounding the logo. And the, the white space in the upper uh, upper left corner works really well with the logo. It's just all around a nice cover. Mm-hmm, I agree. I, I I like the sort of – you can tell that the tangent Superman is frustrated, that you can sense the anger. And yeah. the Like we've commented before, he's things aren't going his way in the book, and this is why – I, I think Jurgens expresses it really well on this. He's got a very determined, very gruff, very you know the the lines on his forehead, very furrowed brow. And yes, I, I'm glad you mentioned the sort of George Pred sort of floating heads thing in the in the image of the Earth. That's just that's a great callback. I, I think again, it would have been nice if Dan Jurgens could have done the artwork on this book, but really, you know, doing the writing. And the art that that would have had to take a lot out of him. Oh yeah, and, you know I, I'm at least glad we get to see some of his art here on the cover. Um, I don't have anything until inside the book until page two, panel one. Um, I was just gonna say the, the the opening page here is a great splash of the three Green Lanterns mm-hmm. charging at the camera. It's too bad Kyle's not there. But yeah, I'm kind of wondering where Kyle would have been during this time. Would this been during? Well, obviously he was finishing up his Power of Ion story because Power of Ion was coming out prior to all of this coming. So was this around the time of his Ion miniseries? Well, because um, no, 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 because we covered two of those issues, didn't we? Yeah, we covered that for the for the lead up to this. Hmm. So I don't know whether he would be. This would I'm assuming this would have to be during the run where Guy and Kyle were in Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. And unfortunately I haven't read those issues yet, so I don't know exactly where they'd fall in line with things. But yeah, it would have been nice if they could have incorporated Kyle in there as well. But you know, having the the main three lanterns there is always gotta be you know, that's showing off a lot of power there. Oh, so. yeah. Um, my comment on, on page uh, page two was um, Guy, and I, I love pointing this out because it happens so infrequently. Guy has a good point here. If you're going to attack the tangent Superman, why don't you attack him from long range? Why do you why do you go and engage him in a sort of melee type fight when you've got the most powerful weapon supposedly in the universe, you know, sit away from, you know, essentially the whole idea of let's nuke the site from orbit. Why don't you go that route? But of course, how to, or not how, but John tunes and saying, you know, do you want to go against Batman's plan? And guys like, no, I don't need to get punched out again. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. And it really, you know, they've done a good job of setting up, Harvey is a formidable threat, but the way he just so easily takes out all three of these guys just really drives that point home again. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you know he does it sort of through telekinetically manipulating you know Guy to take out the lanterns himself. So mm-hmm. that's very clever on the tangent Superman's part. I'll give him that. I, I my next notes on page three, where you've got you've got Harvey 
over the missile silos. I like the inclusions of the rocket reds. I'm glad to see them sort of appear up because the justice league and the characters from that are essentially you, you associate most of these characters with United States characters right. because it's essentially a U.S. English centric book. It's nice to know that there are super powered, or at least you know, not really super powered, but you know, heroes of different countries. And it's nice to see the Rocket Reds, despite the fact that they got pretty much decimated out here in the book. Yeah, I originally had a line in my synopsis, kind of taking a jab at the uh, the rocket reds but i thought you know it's it's good to see him on here because like just for, for the exact reason you just said so yeah it's, it's it's a way to show that superheroes aren't just based in you know america they're they're all over the place it's just we don't hear all that much about them because we're reading the books in america and right as americans we think nothing really exists out fr- outside of our front door basically it, so it doesn't no <laughs> we, we are america so. Sorry, sorry, people in other lands. We, we apologize. Um, I love the line at the very end of the page where it says, uh, it's part of the narration, and she says, we are at the mercy of a man inclined to show us none. I'm not sure that accurately describes Harvey because he really is trying to help people, but it's a poetic line, and I can see how from Lori's point of view, it could be true. Mm-hmm. And And having her... You know, having her backstory, you know, having her sisters essentially be killed by the Superman, she definitely has a she definitely has a different perception on the way Superman is being merciful. Harvey, I think, finds himself that way. He's trying to do as much good as he can to help the planet, but Lori wouldn't have that thing because he essentially killed one of her sisters or one of her comrades who was the Joker at the time. So it's taking it from different perspectives. Right. Uh, Page five, my note is Lex Luthor is such a word I probably shouldn't say in a family-friendly podcast. Yeah, he he is kind of a jerk whistle here. (laughs) I mean, it's a perfect portrayal, but he's just such a jerk. Yeah, uh, and and I don't... I, I. I'm glad Jurgens is getting to write these characters again. Oh yeah, because Jurgens has a good grasp on Superman and Lex Luthor. And I, I, one of the things I would guess I'd comment too is is on the next page is that the Green Lantern is kind of the one who snaps them between them, and it, it's the tangent Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Look, you guys have a plan. Stick to it." And the bickering between. Superman and Lex is always going to be there and it's nice to see this person from another world who has no connection to these two characters just look at this and say this is petty BS right get over yourselves we have to we have to make this happen get it done so I I like that she's the one who sort of snaps them out of it even Batman tries a little bit Mm -hmm. but I don't think I think even he's too close to it it takes Green Lantern, who is completely separated from the entire beef. I'm sorry that I used that word. The, the entire, uh, well, I guess, beef is a good word. Yeah. To to actually come in and, and you know snap them in the sense, but yeah, it's it's someone who's not who doesn't have a connection to either of them. Someone right. who's outside their sort of their sort of personal circle that can come in and say, "Look, you two are acting." Like idiots, we need to get this done. Stop it! Yeah, Let's smack him around a little. It's not like he blew up your laboratory and made you go bald. I mean, <laughs> no, because that was retconned after Rock Crisis. So, <laughs> you know, he did. He did, however, you know, make you paranoid and give you cancer because you wore a ring that was, you know, d- did that even happen or did Infinite Crisis? I think that? at this point, even that had been wiped Retcon. away. All right. Well, thank you, Infinite Crisis. This was a real fuzzy time as to what was in continuity and what wasn't in thanks. regards to Superman. So. Thanks, Dan DiDio. Yeah. Oh, well. I really don't have any you – know, it's a lot of fighting. It's a lot of different interactions between the characters. Do you have any specific notes? Yeah, page seven. This attack on Harvey by Dr. Psycho presents a really interesting bit with Harvey terrified of the idea of becoming normal again. And I really wish that could have been played with more because – 
that's something that could have really added a layer of, of character to him with the, a very human fear of, you know, basically being sent back to what you once were once you've experienced something greater. Yeah, and that's a that's a really good catch there. That's the sort of pathos of him running away from these people who are trying to to capture him and turn him normal again. And that's the one thing that he that's his sort of his sort of kryptonite. Mm-hmm. That his the idea that he would go back to being the sort of person that he was after he has experienced all this immense power and this this near godlike knowledge. Yeah, that that Dr. Psycho is the one who basically does until the end of the story, the most damage to him through a mind whammy is, is a really interesting uh, gimmick in the book. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about how it seems like Harvey is slowly losing control and, and a fear like this would have been a great catalyst for that, even if it was all in his head. Mm-hmm. But uh, page 10, we get the comment that you brought up earlier about, the tangent Batman. Did you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, that um, in this we see the tangent Batman essentially taking on the ultra humanite and then dying from it. Now, the entire idea is the tangent Batman is essentially the essence or the magical spirit of Sir William placed into this sort of animated shell of armor is the tangent Batman's death on this world essentially the end of him wouldn't it just sort of sever the magical connection between him and Sir William in the uh, tangent universe because they mention it during this that he's feeling kind of weak because of the uh, loss of connection between the two universes so I'm wondering does his death here on Earth One or New Earth or whatever necessarily mean his death as a character in the Tangent universe. If he's projecting his life force into the armor, like a vessel of some sort, mm-hmm. then I think it would. But if he is back in Castle, whatever it was called, Castle of the Bat, just controlling the armor, kind of like remote control, then I don't think it would. Yeah. But it's a, it's an interesting thing. It's one of those things that by the end of the story, I was like, well, how does that work? Does Is he technically there in spirit? And since he's died here, he's died you know, in the tangent mm-hmm. universe as he's watching Batman do this all through his mystical orb. You know, it's it doesn't belie the fact that this sacrifice by Batman Red is, is a noble one, but it, it kind of makes me wonder, couldn't this be an easy retcon if they wanted to bring the tangent Batman back at any time. Yeah. But it's a big moment, you know, I mean, it is to this series, what flash or Supergirl's death was meant to be in crisis. Yes. It's the big noble sacrifice by the hero that propels the good guys to victory. So Mm -hmm. definitely. And, uh, I guess we might as well, uh, one of the things I'll comment on the art, um, I'm not certain which page this is, but it's once, uh, Batman Red makes his sacrifice and slashes his sword through the Ultra Humanite's heart. That final panel there of uh, Power Girl's eyes—that's really well done. Yeah, it's it's difficult sometimes to get the emotion in this sort of close-up of the eyes, but I think Magno does a really good job of selling it here. You can tell, especially especially this close-up—you're not seeing anything about the eyes, but you can tell there's a sadness and a concern portrayed through this image here. I really enjoy it. And we get a, a, a very villainous, very callous line from Mr. Freeze. Mm-hmm. about the only good Batman being a dead Batman. And, and then, but which, it's, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say it, it plays well with the character, but I kind of feel like at that point, power girl should have just turned around and, and punched him in the face. Well, it does sort of, you see that they kind of after they said that in the next uh, after the next couple of panels even they seem sort of moved by the sacrifice and that mm-hmm. final panel there because initially they're standing there freeze is standing with his arms crossed making that comment and you see powerful crying and at that final panel they're like oh wow this guy sacrificed to save all of us and they kind of realize that that might have been a little 
harsh. Okay. Okay, so I it, buy that then. Yeah, you, you can Fair enough. you can kind of see that they're remorseful, but it, it initially their their ideas are like, oh well, Batman's dead, good riddance. Until they realize <laughs> how much this Batman has probably saved their bacon. Yeah. Uh, page, let's see, page uh, sixteen. Superman finally goes over the edge to full on maniacal supervillain, and thankfully, Plastic Man is there to shut that stuff down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, Plastic Man taking out Superman—that's that's just something you don't expect. But yeah, you can tell at this point in time, Superman, Tangent Superman, Harvey has just lost it. It's like everything's falling apart. So he's just gonna go crazy and take these people down however he can, and it works to Batman Blues effect. This is what he was hoping for. He was hoping that he would get him to expend as much energy as possible to allow Lola, who has the power of Miracolo, but not to the extent that Harvey does, to come in and sort of allow Superman to deliver the final blow. Yep, all leading to a really awesome panel, and I know you'll get it because you made a reference to it earlier when I say One Punch. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yes. That that is just spectacular. It really is, and we've got to assume. I don't know whether we have to assume that Superman might be pulling a little, but I don't think he is because our Superman is taking on the tangent Superman. Even though this tangent Superman is human, he's got these incredible forces behind him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's too worried about letting it all go when he has to punch this person out because he realizes the stakes here. Right. So. And he draws blood. Mm-hmm. He does. Which I was surprised at. Yeah, and that's one of the good things about this. Uh, aside from the beginning of the story where we saw the stuff with Manhunter and the, the geyser of blood that came out of that person's head. As yeah. He, you know, this has been a very frantic, a very, or, or very frenetic, a very action-filled thing, but it hasn't been... It hasn't been people punching holes through people. It hasn't been people slicing off limbs or anything. And I, I admire that in the book because this was, at the, at the time, sort of a lead up to, you know, Infinite Crisis. I'm certain Infinite Crisis has already gone on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Inf- yeah. Infinite Crisis was before this. So, you know, we'd had all the kind of crazy things with Superboy Prime punching through people's heads and stuff. So... Yeah, that the, that they showed some restraint in this book was was nice for me at least. Uh, but then we get to the last three pages, and it's only three pages, so we have to <laughs> we have to do a quick wrap up where we send the villains off and uh, t- say that the regular villains are taken care of and send everyone home. And you know, oh by the way, make Batman's death count, and we'll probably never see you again. So mm-hmm. it's just a there's a lot crammed into these final pages, and it. it I hate to say this, but it feels like Jurgens just ran out of space and 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 had to do so much in the last three pages, and it's a shame because the the plot of the issue is fine. It just needed a little better pacing, I think. Yeah, I'm wondering. You know, I don't know if Jurgens necessarily thought that he'd have an exercise issue because I don't think if he had like a 38 page like he mm. like we had for the initial run of the tangent books, yeah. if that would have served it. You know, that could have drawn out the fight scenes to make it feel a bit out of place. But yeah, I do agree with you. It's kind of like, oh, well, we we knocked him out. Now we put him in the uh, place where we kept the ultra humanite and, you know, we'll get you all transported back to your home dimension with the Green Lanterns and everything. And bye, we'll never see you again. So it it's not it's not as bad as what you'd see in like a John Byrne type of ending or a Lee and Kirby Fantastic Four ending but it is kind of rushed but uh, I like the sentiment at the ending where you know Superman is saying I think they'll be even better than okay that that it's there's a very optimistic yes. hopeful Superman that says that and you kind of think that we're going to see Lola in some way helping with all of this and taking what they learned from you know the DC universe into the tangent universe and working with the people there and trying to benefit that 
benefit that Earth with some of the ideals that they gained from this universe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can see her and Manhunter kind of taking the lead in that that rebuilding yeah. effort. But yeah, this was overall this was a really good story. It was a very fight heavy ending, but for for a 12-issue sort of maxi-series, I've had significantly worse ones. I think I don't think this is going to end up on anyone's best-of maxi-series list, but it was overall a really enjoyable read. I really like the art and a lot of the issues. I really like the story. Dan Jurgens was great. And really, I think this is a good capper to the uh, the whole tangent line. Yeah. We, you know, we had a few people email in, and I was kind of cautious about what to expect, but I liked it. I, I, it was better than I remembered, and it was great to see these characters in a longer-form storyline, and really enjoyable to have them standing and, and uh, fighting alongside their DCU counterparts, or fighting mm-hmm. with in some cases, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't... You know, I'm... Like I said, when I initially looked at the tangent line when I was covering it, when I was looking at some of the ads for it back in, uh, when I was covering it in just one of the guys, I was really impressed that you sort of brought me along and said, you know, take another look at this. And I've been so happy that we've been able to cover this and generally find out that most of the stuff that came out of it was a heck of a lot better than sometimes some of the stuff that's coming out currently. So, Michael, I have to tell you, thank you for getting me interested in this and getting me to talk about it and getting me to read it. I've enjoyed the heck out of all of this. Yep. You're welcome. But uh, this ends our coverage of Tangent Superman's Reign and essentially our coverage of the Tangent line of books. But that doesn't mean that the show is ending. Oh, no. We have an episode coming up for you next time out that I think you'll be thoroughly interested in. We were able to talk with a certain someone – should we should we reveal who that is, or should we just leave that as sort of a mystery? Uh, just let, let it uh, let it linger. Okay. Well, do we have to? Do we have to let it linger? I knew. I knew. As soon as I said that word, I knew. <laughs> it was going to go there. I knew. But yeah, next time out, we're going to be uh, talking with a certain creator who might have a. Uh, might have an interest in the uh, tangent universe. So here in two weeks, we hope you will come back to for another episode of Parallel Lines, DC Comics Tangent Podcast. Uh, keep writing in with your thoughts and opinions. We will also have a show where we'll finish up the email bag and finish up comments about the show. But uh, yeah, next time out, a, a very special interview with a very special person. Looking forward to that. Yep, very excited. So uh, thanks, everyone, for downloading and listening, and we'll catch you next time for another episode of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Catch you next time. Bye, everybody. listening to Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast, hosted by me, Michael Bradley, and me, Sean Ingle. The show can be downloaded from a variety of places, most notably Michael's website, greatcrypton.com, where you can find show notes, cover images, and a section for leaving comments about the episodes. It also can be found on iTunes by searching for Parallel Lines. And if you happen to use iTunes, please take some time out to leave a review maybe even a five-star one. Every review helps more people find out about the show. The show is also on Facebook, where you can like us and get updates when new shows are posted. Plus, images, plot elements, and general discussion about the books can be found there as well. Want to send feedback about the episode? Send us an email at tangent at greatcrypton.com. All feedback is warmly welcomed, and we will definitely read your comments on the show. When Michael and I aren't doing shows about alternate DC Comics history, we're busy doing tons of other geeky stuff on the internet. For instance, Michael does a podcast about Superman and Batman team-ups, cleverly titled Superman and Batman, 
And Sean hosts a number of podcasts, including Just One of the Guys, Walking Dead Wednesday, The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Listen to the Prophets, and Who True Freaks. And all of these shows can be found over at twotruefreaks.com. Speaking of Two True Freaks, if you ever feel like making a purchase from Amazon.com, please use the Amazon link at twotruefreaks.com. After clicking the link, any purchase you make at Amazon will shoot a percentage of money back to the Two True Freaks website. It won't cost you anything extra, but it really helps out a great bunch of podcasters. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next time for another episode of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Because in the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. Special thanks to Gene Hendricks for this episode's intro. Check out Gene's blog at thehammerstrikes.com for all kinds of geek-related musings. Gene also can be heard on the Hammer Podcasts, as well as the Quantum Cast, Anime Freaks, Comic Book Fight Club, and various other shows, all of which can be found at twotruefreaks.com.